Chapter 31 Dr. Quinzel and Dr. Leland stood with an unrestrained poison ivy outside of Arkham Asylum, watching a sleek, black 1997 Porsche Carrera speed up the driveway with little regard for the holes in the pavement. While Harley's Mustang was her prized possession, she was sure Selena Kyle could easily afford another Porsche. Harley shifted her gaze to Ivy, who was holding her cactus and her fern, and wearing the outfit Harley purchased for her the day they watched the movie. Aside from the green skin, the woman looked altogether normal. The doctor felt a momentary pang of sadness. She may have helped this woman, but in the process, she'd also clipped her wings. Ivy's shoulders looked heavier in the green t-shirt, and for a moment, it was easy for Harlene to see the Pamela who had been before. That sheepish grin, the slightly bowed posture. The transition from glamorous villainous to semi-regular woman had been a bittersweet one for Harley to witness. Then again, Harley hadn't taken away her power, she'd just repurposed it, and that was going to benefit everyone. You can be a sexy hero too, it wasn't like the bad guys had a copyright on that. The Porsche screeched to halt in front of them, and Harley smiled watching Pamela roll her eyes. Dr. Quinzel wasn't jealous, it's just, this Pamela was her creation, and she wanted credit for it. She'd spent two months being mentally abused by Poison Ivy just to hand over the finished product to Selena Kyle. That didn't seem fair. Ivy was shaking hands with Dr. Leland now. Thank you for what you're doing, Leland told her, which seemed to surprise Ivy. She nodded at the woman and moved on to Harley who, without a moment's hesitation, went in for a hug. Ivy stopped the blonde's forward momentum by sticking her hand out to be shaken. Embarrassed, Harley blushed the color of Pamela's hair and awkwardly took the older woman's hand. It was the first time Harley had noticed that Ivy was shorter than she was, a good two inches shorter, in fact. The Porsche's horn blared and Ivy cringed, mumbling something rather unsavory about the woman in the driver's seat. I guess that's your cue, Harley smiled. Ivy nodded and headed quickly for the car without a verbal response. Harley followed behind her. You've coordinated your living arrangements with Batman. Again, Ivy offered a silent nod and then slipped into the passenger seat. The driver's side window rolled down, revealing the chicest woman Harley had ever seen in person. Her short, jet-black hair was styled to make it look like she'd just been in the coolest hurricane ever. She was wearing a black leather jacket over top of a leopard print blouse that tied around her neck like an ascot. She removed her aviator-style sunglasses, flashing a pair of cat-like green eyes. I'm Selena. You must be Mrs. Isley, she addressed Harley with a raspier voice than Pamela's. Mr. Isley, she waved out the window at Dr. Leland. I'll have Pammy back before curfew. And don't you worry, I'll treat her like a lady. And Harley hated her. She was delighted when Ivy delivered a swift punch to the woman's arm. What? Selena asked defensively. Don't insult the help, dear, Ivy smirked. That comment hurt Harley more than she cared to admit. The smile melted from her face, and her words came out sour. We will have daily check-ins in addition to your meetings with Batman. Is that understood, Isley? Ooh, Isley, Selena feigned concern. She used your last name, that must mean you really are in trouble. No, Ivy chuckled. She'd use my middle name if that were the case. I'm serious, Pamela, Harley told her. As your doctor, 
I require a daily check-in until I decide that you are fully committed to your recovery. Doctor. Selena laughed. What are you, Doogie Hauser? Harley didn't hold back her glare, but Selena still refused to take her seriously. She's very cute, Pammy, really. We should take her home. Do you think there's room in the trunk? Ivy giggled. Goodbye, Dr. Quinzel. As always, I look forward to our next meeting, she winked, and before Harley could respond, they were speeding off down the road. As a precaution, Ivy waited until she'd lost sight of Arkham out the back window before speaking. Jesus, Cat, why don't you antagonize my psychiatrist a little more? She punched Selena in the same arm she had earlier. Ow, hey. That hurt the first time, too. Good. I'm trying to make a point, Ivy huffed. She's the one that signed my release papers. Okay, sorry, my bad. Her eagerness was just bugging the shit out of me. She looked like she wanted to kiss you on the fucking mouth when you guys were saying your goodbyes. And that took some time to cultivate, Ivy told her. Also, could you please tone down the profanity? Blondie got you on a short leash. Catwoman arched an eyebrow. I'm not on anyone's leash, Ivy caviled. Selena giggled. Except for Batman's, right? Tell me, Cat, Ivy purred, turning to her. Does he use leashes in the bedroom? He always struck me as the kinky type. We already know he likes the whip. Now it was Selena's turn to slap Ivy. I thought we agreed he was off limits. You brought him into play. Ivy argued. All right, Selena changed the subject, refusing to look her passenger in the eye. I picked you up. What's part two? Ivy grinned. A grand romantic gesture. Catwoman wrinkled her nose. Gross. Oh, why don't you go fuck a bat, Selena? Chapter 32 Montoya tapped her fingernails on the desk as the phone rang. Hello. Joan Leland answered. Dr. Leland, hello, this is Detective Renee Montoya of the GCPD. The doctor sighed. I hope this isn't about poison ivy already. Um, no, ma'am, it's not about a patient at all, actually, Montoya told her. I'm wondering if you have a resume on file for one Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Oh yes, of course, Joan sounded relieved. She's one of my doctors. Would you mind faxing it over? Montoya asked. Sure. Are you looking for an expert to testify? I know Babydoll's trial is coming up. Oh, no, ma'am. We just had a run-in with her in conjunction with another case and thought we should know a little more about her, it wasn't exactly a lie, but was still definitely in the realm of gray area. Um, sure, Dr. Leland didn't sound quite sold. I'll get someone to fax it over right away. Great. Thank you so much, Montoya smiled. Oh, and Dr. Leland. You don't have to answer, doctor-slash-patient confidentiality and all that, but you mentioned Poison Ivy, and I was just wondering, did Dr. Quinzel ever try to make her wear a blue leotard? Joan laughed. Did Isley make a complaint? No, ma'am, Montoya assured her. I was just wondering. A blue leotard? No. Ivy makes her leotards out of leaves from her own body. She can't make blue. 
And no, Dr. Quinzel would never make her wear something different. That's an issue of bodily autonomy. She could request that. She did if it was making the other patients uncomfortable, but she couldn't force it on her. And did she? Montoya asked. Ask her to wear something different. Hmm. Leland thought for a moment. Well, she never discussed that strategy with me, although I could see the benefit of it, I suppose, but Harlene is her own doctor and you're right, the oath of doctor-slash-patient confidentiality is a sacred one. So unless she's doing something unethical, it's really none of my business. Of course, Montoya was nodding even though Dr. Leland couldn't see her. Anyway, thank you for faxing that over. No problem, detective. The line went dead. Montoya set the phone down and sat at her desk. Any chance we've got a witness? Bullock, who was sitting in his own chair eating a donut, shook his head. No, but we got that partial print. It's a partial, a partial, Bullock. It's not going to tell us anything, Montoya sighed, this was beginning to slip away from them. The killer cleaned up exceptionally well. Bullock took his last bite, wiping the leftover powdered sugar on his pants. Why do you think they left the hammer? Montoya shrugged. We determined it belonged to the victim, so it's not like we were gonna find them buying it on a security camera. Still. Bullock wiped his mouth. That's a little cocky, don't you think? For a crime of passion, they sure knew what would and wouldn't be incriminating. Montoya bit her nails as she mauled that over. A criminal psychiatrist would probably be required to take a few criminology courses. So what do we get? Motive, method, what about means? Bullock asked. Well, blunt force trauma. Montoya was thinking again. How much do you think Dr. Quinzel weighs? Bullock shrugged. 130 pounds. I don't know. She was in a jacket that day we saw her. She was pretty tall, though. Montoya said. About the same height as me, so five feet nine inches maybe. With heels on, yeah. Montoya narrowed her eyes. How do you know she was wearing heels? Bullock got defensive. I'm a detective, he paused. And they made her legs look nice. Montoya rolled her eyes. Fine. Five seven then, five feet six inches, maybe. Do you think she could inflict that kind of damage? How's about we ask the coroner? Ivy and Catwoman rode the elevator up to the brunette's not-so-humble abode. Okay, Selina started as the doors slid open. Can you just explain the whole thing to me? Start to finish. She stripped off her leather jacket and hung it on the coat rack by the door. Ivy had only been to Catwoman's loft once before, and all she could really remember about it was she'd found it strange. For one, it was entirely too large for a woman living alone, well, a woman living alone with about ten cats. The furnishings weren't modern in the way that some might expect them to be. Selena Kyle was always up on the latest fashion trends and bought at least one brand new car every year, but her loft looked like it could have been decorated by her grandmother. Black and gold seemed to be the central colors. There were large Victorian-era paintings on the wall framed with thick golden wood. Hardwood floors as well, but most of it was covered with intricately designed rugs. It looked more like an unconventional art gallery than someone's home, with all the short pillars displaying cat statues and rare jewels. 
A gray cat scampered past Ivy's feet, causing her to jump back. Oh hello my little baby, Selena cooed. My little muffin. Look at you. So handsome. Sorry mommy was gone for so long, she had to pick up some crazy bitch she knows from an insane asylum. The cat lovingly rubbed itself on the brunette's leg. Ivy made a gagging noise and headed off in search of Catwoman's closet. The only thing she hated more than the woman herself was the fact that she slept on a round bed. Who does that? Seriously? Ivy moved past the bed and into the walk-in closet, Selena following close behind. The brunette crossed her arms. From the beginning. Ivy sighed. Dr. Leland passed me off to a new psychiatrist this time around. A brand new one. Fresh out of medical school, I met her on her first day. Selena arched an eyebrow. Cradle robbing, are we? Does it make more sense for me to be dating other 64-year-olds? Ivy asked bitterly. Catwoman thought for a second, knitting her brow. No, she admitted. Carry on. Thank you, Ivy continued. Anyway, this psychiatrist, the one you referred to as Doogie Hauser, was actually rather smart and caring. Poor kid, Selena interrupted. She actually tried to help you, didn't she? Ivy's cheeks flushed. You know what? Maybe she did. Catwoman didn't look convinced. Keep talking. She reminds me of myself in a way. Selena interrupted again, this time with a laugh. I'm just going to assume you were a horrible person before you were Ivy as well. The redhead mulled that over for a moment. Depends on who you ask. Okay. Selena was growing impatient. She wanted Pam to get to the end of the story she'd barely started. So you guys have some kinky mind game shit going on, I'm guessing. Great. Can we move on to the gymnastics tip you made me give to the cops? Ivy sighed. According to Dr. Quinzel, the game we were playing messed with her head to such a degree, she now hears the voice of her younger self in her mind having completely autonomous thoughts. Selena couldn't help but laugh at that. Way to go, Pam. You drove your psychiatrist to insanity. That's impressive, even for you. Shut up, Ivy snapped. In what I'm assuming was an attempt to get rid of the voice, she murdered her former gymnastics coach. Wait, what? That got Selena's attention. Ivy nodded. They had, at one time, participated in some form of a sexual relationship. She was 15, he was married, just a horrible recipe. Selena's expression was somewhere between sympathetic and afraid. Damn, Doogie, wait, so then why did you have me place the tip about the sex abuse? To guide the investigation her direction, Ivy smiled, feeling like that should have been obvious. Like I said, a grand romantic gesture. Catwoman was just getting more confused. I don't understand. Ivy rolled her eyes at the woman's evident stupidity. She manipulated my feelings for her in an attempt to win our game, and after she did, she ran to Batman and had me declared legally sane. And that's a bad thing. Ivy sighed. No, on the chessboard it's what's called a check. She thinks she won, and that simply will not do. Okay. Selena nodded slowly. So then why do we need to go to the police station today? To clear her of all charges, of course. 
Ivy answered, exasperated. Please, Kitty, do try to keep up. Let me get this straight, Catwoman began, her frown deepening. You're going to trick this girl into thinking that you were willing to sacrifice your freedom to save her, when, in fact, you were the one that set her up in the first place. Poison Ivy clapped her hands in a patronizing rhythm. Very good, Kitty. Now, let's find me a costume and get out of here. Being trapped in this closet is starting to become an uncomfortable metaphor for you. I am not, UGH. Selena huffed, unable to even finish her retort. Chapter 33 Detective Bullock was beginning to wish he hadn't eaten that last donut before heading to the morgue. Cops learned to build up a stomach for these things, sure, but a misshapen skull was never a pretty sight. Montoya was reading over the resume Dr. Leland had faxed them. It says she's 5'6", 135 pounds, doctor. She addressed the coroner. Could a woman have done this much damage? The coroner looked over his own file. Well, according to the report he was seated and the blood spatter was cleaned rather well, so there's really no way of determining the height of the assailant, but I can tell you that if it was a woman who did it, she would have had to be pretty strong. Montoya flipped back through the file. How about a former collegiate gymnast? This one, specifically, she handed the Dr. Harleen's ID photo, which depicted the young doctor in a sleeveless turtleneck, putting her fairly impressive musculature on full display. The coroner shrugged. 5'6", 135. He repeated. If she's as strong as she looks, then yeah, she probably could have done it. But don't quote me on that. I'd hate for my guest to condemn the woman. Selena regarded the pale-skinned, caramel brunette in the passenger seat uneasily. You look so weird, she almost whispered. Pamela rolled her temporarily hazel eyes. We're supposed to be watching the station. Selena's gaze didn't waver. I didn't know you could do that with your skin. Ivy shrugged. Altering my appearance is like reducing the intensity of my poison, easily done with control and practice. You mean easily done by a practicing control freak, Selena chuckled at her own joke, grabbing her milkshake from the cup holder and taking a long slurp. Ivy glared at her, waiting for her to drop the straw from her mouth. What? Selena asked. You don't like ice cream? Not particularly, no, Pamela told her, taking a small sip of her water. But what I really hate is the sound you make when you drink it. Oh my god. Selena threw her hands up in exasperation. You're such a nag. What? Did you never drink milkshakes as a kid? Ivy placed her cup back in its holder. I wasn't allowed to have ice cream as a child. My mother worried it would make me plump. Okay, well, your mom sounds like a real piece of work, Selena told her, beginning another loud slurp. I thought so too, Ivy agreed with a quiet smile. That's why I killed her. She and my father. Catwoman stopped drinking, side-eyeing the homicidal maniac in her passenger seat. That's pretty fucked up, Isley. Ivy shrugged. They deserve to die. Oh, well in that case. And they had deemed this woman sane. Yeesh, Arkham's standards must be slipping. So we're just going to sit here until they bring Dr. Quinn back. Dr. Quinzel, Ivy corrected. Yes. It's a stakeout. 
That's why I brought binoculars. I thought that was a joke, Catwoman huffed. Ivy smiled as she pulled the aforementioned binoculars from under her seat and raised them to her eyes, looking in the direction of the police station. This is the chick everyone's always mooning over. Forbidden fruit my ass. I thought your pheromones didn't work on women. They don't, I literally just told you that, Ivy replied, her attention still out the window. So you're telling me this girl actually fell for your, asterisk gag asterisk personality. Ivy whipped around, briefly dropped the binoculars. There are plenty of people who find me charming, Ms. Kyle, don't be cruel. Me? Cruel? Catwoman clutched her hand to her chest. Never. Whatever, Selena, Ivy returned her focus to the station. You'd take it if I offered. Ha! Catwoman guffawed. As if. The only way I'd sleep with you, Pamela Isley, is if you and Joker were the last two people on Earth, and I just had to choose one of you. Ivy looked legitimately hurt. How dare you! I would rock your fucking world. Even with the colored contacts, Selena could see Pamela's frighteningly green eyes flickering like a toxic flame. She looked at the fuming woman incredulously. All right there, crazy. How about you save some of that sexual frustration for Dr. Hauser? I'm sure she'll appreciate it. Ivy's tone remained intense when she asked, why do you keep calling her Doogie Hauser? You know, like the show Doogie Hauser, MD Selena told her. Ivy's eyebrows knit together, her anger giving way to confusion for a moment. It's this show about a 16-year-old doctor, Selena explained. It's funny because she's, like, young Anne. It clearly wasn't clicking for Ivy. Oh, never mind. You fucking ruined it. She was offended by it, and that's all that matters. Ivy wrinkled her nose in disgust and turned away from her again. And today had started out so promisingly, Selena sighed internally. She'd spent a wonderful evening and morning with an exceedingly simple-minded but very good-looking young man, and had planned to stake out the new art exhibit downtown later on that day. And then, the phone call. Catwoman stared hatefully at the villainous in the passenger's seat. She couldn't decide what she hated more about the woman, her general awfulness, or the fact that she was totally pulling off that wig. Out of all the things the day could bring, why, why did it bring her poison ivy in a hot car? Selena could literally think of nothing worse. So what if Ivy had created a serum that increased her agility and accelerated her healing? That didn't necessarily mean she owed her anything, okay, it did, but still. The woman could not be more terrible. She felt bad for the girl, this Dr. Quinn or Quinzel or whatever. Selena hadn't been able to get the specifics out of Pamela on her deal with Batman, but whatever it was, she knew this girl was about to enter into a world of hurt. Selena watched the sun glint off Ivy's face, highlighting the hollows of her cheekbones. So she was hot and smart. Who cares? A lot of people were hot and smart. Batman was hot and smart. Oh no, Selena thought. Am I the doogie houser of my relationship with Bruce? Selena panicked for a moment before calming herself down. No. No, I'm not. Bruce and I are equals. I think Ivy once told me we looked like brother and sister, or just the male-slash-female versions of each other. She resumed her glaring at Ivy. She really is the worst. Ivy pointed out the window.
They're leaving. I think they're going to get her. Chapter 34 Harleen sat in her office staring blankly at the wall. She was attempting to entertain herself in the hour she had before Dr. Crane's session, but she was, by all accounts, failing miserably. Behind her still gaze was a restless mind. Her brain had been working overtime since she'd started at Arkham, plotting, scheming, participating in this battle of wills that she and Ivy had established. The woman had only been gone a few hours and Harleen already felt terribly bored. Sure, she would get to see Pamela again, but that's who it would be Pamela. Dr. Quinzel would miss the threat of poison Ivy. She wondered if Ivy would change her name now that she had been forced to switch sides. Poison Ivy hardly sounds like a hero, but hero or villain, Poison Ivy had been around for a long time. It was its own brand at this point. In fact, Poison Ivy was now far more synonymous with Pamela than Pamela Isley was. Harley hoped she wouldn't change it. There are a lot of heroes with very stupid names, Harley thought, like Superman. I mean, come on. Could you get any more obvious? A man with superpowers is Superman, go figure. That would be like naming me Harlequin, like, duh. My name is already basically Harley Quinn. She found the lack of creativity with these people astonishing. Harley wondered what Pamela was doing right now. Probably getting settled into her new home. She wasn't sure how Batman had the means to purchase a safe house for Ivy, but according to him the job didn't come with any monetary compensation. Maybe he found her something abandoned and fixed it up. Ivy might like something like that off the beaten path, something she could cultivate and make her own. Something with a lot of room for a garden, Harley hoped. She wondered if Batman would let Ivy keep all the rare flowers she'd stolen. They hadn't discussed that in the contract, so either Batman didn't care or it was a given he would be taking them away. Maybe Harley could help her replant some of them during one of their home visits. Or, maybe Selina Kyle already had. Harley involuntarily wrinkled her nose. True, her only run-in with Ms. Kyle had been a minute-long exchange, but during that conversation she had been horrible. Self-indulgent and elitist, like Ivy but without the principles. Ugh, and the way she just oozes that waspy confidence. Harley wondered what possible business she and Ivy could have been partners in. According to the gossip pages, Selina Kyle was an art connoisseur, perhaps her interests extended to plants as well. Maybe Ivy had advised her on growing methods for rare specimens. Anything can be art these days. They'd seemed pretty comfortable to just be business associates, though. Giggling at Harley's expense like they were better than her somehow. And Selina hadn't even pronounced Doogie Hauser correctly. It was Hauser, not Hauser. And how is that even a burn? Yeah, Harley was a young doctor, so what? There were a lot of 26-year-old doctors, and yeah, it was an unfortunate coincidence that she had blonde hair and wore it in sort of a comb-over style in the front, but she definitely didn't look like a teenage boy. Okay, maybe she was taking the comparison a bit too literally. Dr. Quinzel shoved her prop glasses back onto her face and got up. She would wait in the doctor's lounge instead. She was starting to feel jealous and jealousy was a stupid thing to feel about a former patient. And anyway, Pamela told her Selena was the worst. That's the worst, like, ever. And Pamela had met the Joker on more than one occasion. Satisfied with her rationalization, Harley drew herself up from her chair, but stopped when she heard a knock on the door.
Good, Harley thought. A distraction. She made her way over to the door expecting to find Dr. Leland, but was greeted by the pair of detectives she'd met at the sports equipment store instead. Oh. Harleen said, her surprise evident. Hello, detectives. Dr. Quinzel, the female detective, Montoya, was it, spoke up. Would you mind coming down to the station with us? We have a few questions for you in conjunction with the murder of Grigory Aristov. Harleen's throat went dry. Welp, we had a good run there, Harl. I mean. Selena was now using the binoculars. They let her drive her own car, so that's something, God, a red Mustang. Really? What a bimbo. Ivy was applying her makeup using the mirror in the passenger seat's visor. She's not a bimbo. Says you, Selena peered through the binoculars at the blonde as she exited her vehicle. Why is she wearing a necktie? That. Ivy dabbed at her newly applied lipstick. I couldn't tell you. Catwoman looked over at her passenger and rolled her eyes. Who cares what you actually look like, you're bringing the pheromones, right? It's all part of the show, Kitty. I'm already working at a deficit with this silly wig, she looked herself over thoroughly in the mirror. You look fine, Ivy. Don't we have time constraints on this thing? Yes, we do, Ivy affirmed, closing the visor. So pull on that mass of latex you call a suit, and let's go. Selena doesn't do me jack shit moving forward, I need Catwoman. Ugh, fine, Selena crawled into the dysfunctionally small back seat. Don't look. Ivy made no qualms about disobeying her request. Hey. Selena slammed the rearview mirror out of place so Ivy could no longer use it. I said don't look, you perv. Ivy chuckled. Pervert implies genuine interest. That was research. What could you have possibly been researching? Selena grunted as she slid the black latex over her bare legs. Ivy ignored her, checking her watch. It's time to go. Don't change the. Selena watched as Ivy exited the car. Hey. Ivy stopped once outside, leaning her head back through the open window. You know what you have to do. Get in, get out, and then you get your diamond. With that, she slammed the car door and strutted across the street towards the police station in her skin-tight, navy blue work dress. She had, wisely, decided to stay away from the color green for the day. Catwoman flipped her off as she went. Bitch, she grumbled, pulling her cowl over her head and her goggles over her eyes. Chapter 35 Harleen had come willingly. She was cooperating. They didn't produce a warrant, they hadn't restrained her, it seemed amicable enough. However, they were now leading her into an interview room rather than one of their offices, and that was not a good sign. In here. Montoya suggested, pointing to the interview room that she'd clearly always intended to lead them to. Harley shrugged like she had a choice in the matter. Why not? Bullock smiled his lopsided grin and opened the door for the two of them. Ladies first. Poison Ivy stepped out of the elevator wearing her disguise. She was slightly bustier than Catwoman, so the dress she'd borrowed was rather snug on her figure, although she was pretty sure that would work to her advantage. Ivy paused for a moment, waiting for the metallic doors to slide closed behind her before she applied her special lipstick.
Ivy hadn't been able to properly test it out before she was thrown in Arkham this last time, but the data had been promising. The commissioner would be the perfect subject for her first dry run. Ivy's heels clacked on the linoleum as she made her way down the hall, following the signs for Commissioner Gordon's office. The hallway soon opened up into a room with a receptionist's desk in the corner. At the desk sat a red-headed girl prepubescent, ten years old, if Ivy had to guess, maybe twelve, but a small twelve. She was scribbling furiously on a textbook despite it being a Friday afternoon. A redhead doing homework on the weekend. Ivy liked this girl already. Excuse me, Ivy started. That woke the girl up from whatever trance she'd been in. Why yes, she greeted, tearing her eyes away from her paper. The girl's voice sounded a bit like Dr. Quinzel, in Ivy's opinion, high and clear. I have a meeting with Commissioner Gordon. Is he in? Oh, um. The girl brushed her bangs out of her eyes and shuffled the papers strewn around the desk, looking for something she'd buried under her schoolwork. Name, please, she'd managed to locate the commissioner's calendar. Irving, Ivy told her. Paula Irving. Hmm. The girl scanned the paper. I'm sorry, Ms. Irving, I don't see you on here. Ivy rolled her eyes expressively. Damn it, not again. What? The girl was inquisitive. My receptionist, Ivy told her. She's not all that bright. This is the second time she's failed to make an appointment for me. Oh. The girl looked as disappointed as Ivy was pretending to be. Ivy sighed, giving the girl another once over. I like your hair, it's very pretty. The girl smiled self-consciously. Thanks. The kids at school call me Carrot Top, she seemed to be none too happy with that nickname. Ivy smiled kindly down at her. Carrot Tops are green, darling. The girl thought it over for a moment and then giggled. She glanced over her shoulder at the commissioner's office. Dad doesn't have any more meetings for the rest of the day, so you can probably just go in. Ivy's face lit up. Now she knew she liked this girl. Thank you. The girl grinned. You're welcome, Ms. Irving. I'm Barbara, by the way, she stuck out her little hand and Ivy took it in hers, careful to tone down the concentration of her poison in that extremity as she did so. Pleasure to meet you, Barbara. The commissioner is very lucky to have a daughter as bright as you. Maybe I should hire you as my receptionist, she winked. Barbara blushed and Ivy pushed through the double doors into the commissioner's office. Catwoman watched on the security monitor as Barbara Gordon let Ivy into the commissioner's office. Understanding that as her cue, she inserted the floppy disk into the monitor, replacing the live stream with recorded footage of the same room. Selina knew that would come in handy someday. She checked the other monitors in an attempt to find the evidence room but saw Pamela's doctor first. The blonde was seated in an interrogation room with both Montoya and Bullock, but her stance was confident from what Selina could tell. They would have a little more time until she was on the verge of breaking, and Selina couldn't see the evidence box with them in the room, which meant she still had time to tamper with it. She did eventually locate the evidence room in the split-screen section labeled B, which Catwoman took to mean she would find it in the basement. Great. It was a well-known fact that Catwoman was far more talented on the high wire than in a tunnel, but she would make do, even if her claustrophobia killed her. She wanted that diamond. 
Bad. Bullock was looking over Harleen's file, chuckling to himself. We grew up only two blocks away from each other. You're kidding. Harley sat forward. Nope, he promised. 1350 Clinton Street. That's so funny, Harleen laughed. I had a friend who grew up on Clinton. We called him Ginger. Bullock squinted. I don't remember him, I think I'm a little older than you. Oh, don't say that, Harleen gave him a gracious smile. What had Ivy said? Compliment him to make him think you'd have him, then pounce once they're smitten. Okay, well, Harley was hardly in an offensive position, but the rest of it, the flirty part she could do. Montoya made her nervous, though. She was just watching her, silently evaluating, and Harleen felt like she was failing whatever test was being administered. So where's the accent? Bullock asked. Oh, ha ha, Harleen turned her attention back to the man. I tried to train myself out of it. She grimaced before beginning her performance, but you know, no matter how much I try, it just can't take a hint. Bullock snorted, shifting the toothpick in his mouth. Don't I know it? So a Gotham girl through and through. Must have been a big deal representing Gotham City in your competitions. You competed countrywide for Coach Aristov, is that right? Montoya asked, getting down to business. I'm written for ya, Harl. Yes, Harleen nodded. It's terrible what happened. Why didn't you two ask me about him when we met in the store the other day? We didn't know you were affiliated with him, Montoya answered. Well, I didn't know he was dead. Harley told her. Talk about a miscommunication. Montoya was once again looking at the file. I understand you helped Gotham State to a national championship. Oh yeah, Harleen smiled proudly. But that was four years after I left Coach Aristov's program. Right. Montoya bit her lip, considering. Why did you leave again? Harleen shrugged. It was just time to go. I was offered a full ride to Gotham State, they had an impressive program, and my pre-med courses were too time-consuming to do both. It didn't have anything to do with the affair. Good afternoon, darling, Catwoman greeted the officer in charge of guarding the evidence locker. He, of course, immediately reached for his radio, which she promptly kicked out of his hand. I apologize for this in advance, she told him, I'm just not in a good mood. She spun, raising her leg again to deliver a roundhouse kick to the head, knocking him out cold. With a sigh she grumbled, this is beneath me, before grabbing the keys from the man's belt and unlocking the metal cage. Aristov, Aristov, Aristov. She moved down the rows of boxes. Aha, luckily, his last name started with an A. She opened the box and peered inside, seeing the bloody hammer, a whiskey glass, which smelled like vodka, and what looked like a slide someone would view under a microscope. Picking the last item up to inspect it, noticing that there was some ridging in between the glass slides. A partial print. Pfft, amateur Catwoman thought as she pulled Ivy's solution from inside her bra. Her suit, unfortunately, didn't have any formal pockets. She lifted the top slide off of the print and placed a drop of the solution onto the faint ridges, just as instructed. Amazed, she watched as the print began to change shape. Oh I'm keeping this, she decided, smiling at the little vial. 
She then moved onto the whiskey glass and gave it the same treatment. Ivy had ordered her not to use it on the murder weapon, if she were to find one, because it would augment and dilute the blood, maiming the evidence too severely. Catwoman placed the lid back atop the box and slid it into place on the shelf. Now, for the fun part, she smirked. There had been a bank robbery a few days prior, and when the criminals were apprehended, some of the goodies they stole from the safe were temporarily deemed police evidence. But Selina didn't care about the safe, she wanted the safety deposit boxes, her smirk grew to a grin when she found what she was looking for. Diamonds and emeralds and rubies, oh my. She took what she needed to convince the police Catwoman had raided the evidence room for jewels only, and then pulled herself up into the air vent. Pushing her loot in front of her as she navigated her way through the building's ceilings and walls. Again, she would rather be jumping from rooftop to rooftop, but there would be plenty of time for that later. Harleen's fists were clenched so tight her forearms were beginning to cramp. It wasn't like that. Montoya arched a dark eyebrow. It says here you were banned from Olympic competition. While you were at Gotham State, winning your national championship, he was coaching the Olympic team, is that right? Assistant coaching, Harleen mumbled. So your coach, a married, 38-year-old man had an affair with his 15-year-old athlete, and yet you were the one banned from competition while he was, in effect, promoted. Montoya shook her head. I might not be an athlete like yourself, but I'll tell you what, I'd be pretty pissed if somebody ruined my chances at an Olympic medal. Yeah, Harl. She's right. That's bullshit. Shut up, Harley. I'm handling this. I don't know, girly, you're getting pretty peeved. That guy deserved it. You got nothing to be ashamed of. Okay, well, I doubt they're going to see it like that. Harleen was roused from her internal dialogue by the sound of a doorknob turning. She expected it to be another cop bringing in some damning evidence against her, but for the second time that day, she was surprised by what a swinging door revealed. A pale-skinned woman strode in wearing an expensive-looking dress and matching heels. Her light brown hair was swept up into a professional bun, and a pair of thick-rimmed glasses magnified her hazel eyes. There was something familiar about the woman, but Harleen couldn't quite place her until she spoke. Detectives, Pamela Isley addressed them. Montoya stood up. This is a closed interview. I'm Dr. Quinzel's lawyer, and as far as I'm concerned, you shouldn't be interrogating her at all, closed interview or otherwise, Ivy's response was matter-of-fact. Interviewing. Not interrogating, Bullock corrected. We're all adults here, Detective, Ivy looked at Harleen who was staring at her dumbly, eyes wide. Do you have any evidence connecting my client to this crime besides an affair ten years ago? Yeah, Bullock sneered, clearly disliking Ivy's tone. We've got a fingerprint. How great for you, Ivy tapped her foot impatiently in what Harley interpreted as a secret symbol just in case Harley wasn't clear on her identity yet, or, you know, maybe she was just impatient. Let's test it against my clients. Have you printed her yet? No, Montoya answered plainly. Let's go then. My client is a very busy woman, this little interview is cutting into her workday. Dr. Quinzel. She looked back at Harley again. Go ahead. This shouldn't take long, she sat down in the chair next to Harley's, wrapping her fingers on the table. Montoya glared at the woman and produced the fingerprinting kit.
Harleen glanced nervously over at Ivy who gave her an encouraging nod. She took a deep breath and put her hands up on the table. Good luck, Harl. Chapter 36 We'll have these processed by tomorrow, Montoya told the two women, her eyes narrowed. She watched as the lawyer got up from the table, a look of blinding confidence in her expression. Montoya knew the type, cocky Ivy League lawyers whose only mission in life was to be better than everybody else. But then Montoya had a curious thought, Harleen hadn't made a call before they left Arkham, or when they'd arrived at the station. When did Dr. Quinzel call you? Ms. Irving stopped but her expression didn't waver. She didn't. Then how did you? Dr. Quinzel and I were supposed to have dinner tonight, Ms. Irving sighed. Not that I have to explain myself to you, but I called to make sure we were still on and a Dr. Leland came to the phone and alerted me that Harleen here had been taken down to the police station. Naturally, I came right over. Harleen's eyes hadn't strayed from her lawyer since the other woman had entered the room. Let's go, Harleen, Ms. Irving instructed. If we leave now we can still make our reservation. The young doctor obediently got up from her chair, following her lawyer to the door. Don't leave town, Montoya warned her. Not until we've cleared you. I'll be waiting for your call, Harleen assured with a slightly apologetic smile. Montoya and Bullock moved a little slower, rousing themselves from their chairs with an evident depression. Harleen Quinzel had been a strong suspect. The idea of going back to square one was exhausting. Commissioner Gordon was waiting for them in the viewing room. Commissioner, Montoya greeted, surprised he was still at the station. Didn't you have that birthday dinner with Barbara to get to? Catwoman broke into the evidence room, he told them, his tone flat. She stole the entire contents of the Vreeland family's safety deposit box. God damn it. Bullock slammed his fist into the wall. These costumed creeps are killin' us. Gordon nodded. I'm reassigning the Aristov murder. You two are my best, I want you on the Catwoman theft. Bullock groaned. Shouldn't the bat take care of that? Not when it was stolen from our evidence room, he shouldn't. Montoya thought the commissioner must have had a rough day. His cheeks were red, his hair shooting in every direction, hardly the put-together Gordon they were used to. Montoya thought she knew why, too. The Vreelands were an extremely influential family in Gotham City. Their priceless heirlooms being stolen from an evidence locker probably wasn't going to go over too well in the press. She knocked Williams out downstairs. Maybe start with him, the commissioner suggested. Montoya nodded helpfully. Wish Barbara a happy birthday for us. We'll get Quinzel's prints down to the lab and then start on Catwoman's trail. Gordon shook his head. I doubt it will match, Dr. Quinzel has an alibi. Ivy, Harleen Stage whispered as she and her former patient made their way down the sidewalk towards the red Mustang. Ivy, is that really you? Ivy. Harleen, we are not 50 feet from the police station and you've already used my name three times. Can you try to be a little more inconspicuous, please? That answered Harley's question. She smirked and jogged up ahead of Ivy, opening the passenger side door for her. Ivy didn't even give her a second look, she just sat down like the courtesy was expected. Harley would have liked a smile in return, 
but she wasn't exactly in a place to ask for things at the moment. In fact, she should probably be thanking Ivy. She'd really helped get her out of that jam. So she shut the door and circled around the driver's side, sitting down and reaching to buckle her seat belt. As she turned to her left to find the shoulder strap, she felt a hard pinch in her right arm. Thinking that a bee had stung her, her head whipped around to investigate, but there wasn't a bee, there was poison ivy holding a syringe, a feral smile on her lips. It all happened before Harleen could react. Ivy leaned towards her with flickering green eyes, the colored contacts having been discarded, and took Harley's chin between her thumb and index finger. Harley felt like the world was moving in slow motion as Poison Ivy leaned forward, pressing her lips to Harley's in a kiss. Her lips were soft as rose petals and her smell was intoxicating, like spring flowers and freshly cut grass, the smell of the daffodils in her green vase. Harley had just moved past the confusion and surprise phase, and was relaxing into the sensation when Ivy broke their seal, and whispered, I win against her lips. Dee did you, did you poison me? Harley asked, remaining in close proximity. Ivy chuckled, causing the butterflies in Harley's stomach to take flight. Now, where would the fun be in that, the older woman pushed a loose strand of blonde hair behind Harley's ear. Harley lunged forward in search of her lips again, but Ivy placed her hand on the girl's chest, keeping her at bay. Patience is a virtue, Daffodil. Now let's go, I owe some asshole a diamond. Chapter 37 Harleen was nervously glancing over at Ivy in two block intervals, and it was beginning to sincerely annoy the older woman. Ivy sighed. Is it the wig? I'm not a fan of it either, she looped her fingers into the artificial hairline and pulled it away, making short work of the wig and revealing her natural red hair. Better? She asked as it flapped about in the wind. Harleen didn't answer her question, choosing to ask for directions instead. Mountain Lane, you said. Take a right up here, she closed her eyes and felt the wind on her face. This was a degree of freedom that Pamela hadn't known before. No one was looking for her. She was allowed to be in this car right now. She didn't have to hide, but decided to remain pale-skinned for the time being anyway so as to not cause a traffic jam. Are you sure you didn't poison me? I thought your kisses were poisonous. You're immune now, Ivy told her, eyes still closed, enjoying the sun beating down on her skin. From Harley's energy, she could tell that there were a million questions floating around in the girl's head that she wasn't asking. Ivy knew the moment would come when a thorough explanation was required, but luckily it wouldn't be this moment because in this moment, Ivy could hear her flowers singing. They were close. Her eyelids drifted open and now she could see it, her beautiful greenhouse. There she pointed up ahead. Ivy knew this stop would only be temporary. A promise had been made and she would abide by it, but the idea of seeing her flowers again made her heart sing. Not even the image of Catwoman sitting on her roof could dissuade her excitement. Pull in here, Ivy instructed, indicating her garage. Harleen obeyed, hanging a sharp right into the darkened structure. Ivy was out of the car before the engine had been shut off. Come on, let's go. This isn't the safe house Batman bought for you. Harley was apprehensive. Moving is a process, Harleen. This was my home, and there are some items here that I refuse to part with. This, Dr. Quinzel seemed to understand. 
She pulled herself out of the driver's seat and gently shut the door behind her, following Ivy through the garage and into the main house. It's a bit plain, I know, Pamela apologized. I spent most of my time in the greenhouse anyway. Her plans were telling her that the greenhouse's skylight, and Ivy instructed her Venus flytrap to stand down. If she was going to kill Catwoman, she would do it with her bare hands. Speaking of which, she closed her eyes and allowed her skin to shift back into its natural emerald coloring. The blonde followed Ivy dutifully to the entrance of the greenhouse, but jumped nearly out of her skin when a dark figure dropped down in front of them. Where's the diamond? Catwoman asked. Ivy watched as all color drained from Harleen's face. The girl's mouth had fallen open in an expression that conveyed either mortal fear or amazement, Ivy couldn't tell which. It's C it's C A it's Catwoman. She stammered. In the flesh, Selina presented herself like a model would a lottery ball. Catwoman isn't a villain, she's just selfish, so it shouldn't count as a contract violation, Ivy explained. She attempted to gauge her doctor's reaction in the brief moment of silence before the blonde's face broke out into a giddy smile. It's Catwoman. Oh my god, I love you. I used to have your poster on my wall when I was in high school, seriously. I'd watch you on the news all the time, and I used to cut out stories about you in the newspaper, she caught herself. Not that stealing is good, but you are just incredible. Your flips are so tight. I used to try to emulate you when I was a gymnast. When I was 14, I saw you on the news evading the cops by swinging a double-twisting double back in the rafters of the art museum, and I was like, oh my god, she's my hero. For a moment, both Ivy and Selena were too thrown off to speak, but Catwoman's expression quickly slipped into a cocky smirk, which she directed at Pam. You hear that, Pammy? I'm her hero. Harley looked like she wanted to bounce off the walls. At least some color had returned to her face. Ivy you never told me you knew Catwoman, she turned back to Selena. Seriously, though. Can I, can I get your autograph, do you think? I have this scrapbook at my ma's house that's just like, a bunch of pictures of you being a badass. You were my absolute inspiration on the uneven bars, Harley laughed nervously. Why of course you can have my autograph, Catwoman told her. Would you also like to wear my skin around? Harley laughed again, overflowing with excitement at this point. Catwoman just made a Buffalo Bill joke. This is officially the best day ever. Pam had never seen the silence of the lambs, she told Catwoman like it was going to be their new inside joke. Blasphemous, the brunette winked at their. I promised to change my ways, rescue her from a murder charge, and now here she is mooning over Selena. Fangirling over her because, what? She can jump off buildings. So what? I don't need to jump off buildings, my plants carry me down. Without taking a moment for deeper reflection, Ivy reached forward, yanking Catwoman's cowl and goggles off of her head to reveal a very offended Selena Kyle. The brunette hissed and swiped at Ivy in reaction, who ducked to avoid her claws. Harley's jaw was on the floor, staring wide-eyed at the unmasked cat burglar. Selena Kyle. You're Catwoman. Ivy rolled her eyes. Of course she is. Honestly, Harleen, you just saw her like three hours ago. She has the exact same voice and those creepy eyes, how do people not make the connection? Bitch, Selena kicked Ivy in the stomach, sending her stumbling back into a nearby tree.
Selena Kyle is Catwoman. Dr. Quinzel repeated, dumbfounded. Yep, cat's out of the bag. Selena snapped at the girl. A vine then wrapped around her ankle, pulling her feet out from under her before she could react. Hey! Selena shouted, looking up at Ivy who was now standing over her. Honestly, Ivy shook her head, snatching the prop glasses off of Harleen's face. All this secrecy is ridiculous. Why human beings feel the need to constantly apologize for who they are is beyond me. Selena, you steal shiny things. Harley, you kill people. Great. Let's move on. Hey. Harleen was now protesting along with Selena. I only killed one person and he deserved it. Ivy sighed. Regardless of your rationalization, the point is, to put it as eloquently as I can, shit happens. Kitty won't be tattling on you anytime soon now that you know her big secret, and I expect you'll keep your mouth shut about her as well, if you know what's good for you. Yeah. Selena seconded. Don't piggyback, Kitty, Ivy snapped her fingers and the vine around Selena's ankle lifted her off the ground so that she hung upside down in front of the plant queen. It's not cute. The diamond, Selena growled. Ivy snapped again and a few moments later a vine appeared carrying the harlequin diamond. The one holding Catwoman released her and she somehow landed on her feet, snatching the object away from the plant. Doogie, I wish you luck with this one, really. She's a nightmare. Pamela. Let's never do this again, with that, Selena turned and clawed her way up the tree, escaping through its branches out the skylight. I told you she's the worst. Chapter 38 An hour later they were back in the car and Ivy was giving Harley directions again, though now the back seat was stuffed full of potted plants and lab equipment. According to Ivy, a typical moving company couldn't be trusted to handle her delicate belongings. He said it's 1510, Ivy said, consulting her paper once again. Harley slowed down so that they could read the addresses on the houses as they passed. Stop. Ivy told her. Harley slammed on the brakes. It's that one. The smile on Ivy's face warmed Harley's heart. The house she was pointing to had a nice big front yard with an oak tree planted squarely at the center. The house itself looked older, a sort of Victorian aesthetic to it that helped it stand out against the comparatively new architecture that surrounded it. Well, it's no toxic acres, but it will do, Pamela beamed. And she really was Pamela, Harley could see it, just for a moment. She'd paled her skin for the drive over, and because she really hadn't aged since college, she looked like. She'd just stepped out of that photograph from her file. There were differences, though. This Pamela was confident to a fault and rather unencumbered, it seemed. She hoped things would get better, she took what she wanted, and Harley smiled at the understanding that she wanted her. Getting the lab equipment inside was easy, the plants were a bit more time-consuming because Ivy insisted on transporting those all by herself. Meanwhile, Harley explored the house. What day it had been. She'd released Ivy from Arkham, been questioned by the cops for a murder she most certainly did commit, and then Ivy swooped in like a knight in shining armor bringing Catwoman with her. Harley had discovered Catwoman's secret identity and was given immunity to Ivy's toxins, dang, one for the record books. Harleen liked the house immediately. It had tall, vaulted ceilings and wide open spaces. 
Ivy would be able to put her plants wherever she wanted. It wasn't completely empty, either. Someone had provided basic furnishings, a couch, a chair with an ottoman, and a kitchen table around which six people could sit comfortably. The mystery of who had furnished it was solved immediately upon Harley entering the master bedroom. A giant canvas painting of a black cat hung above the bed, which was made up in expensive-looking silk sheets the color of the cat's fur. There was a folded note on one of the pillows that Harley quickly liberated from its envelope. For Pammy and her child bride. Here's hoping these sheets will help with your frustration. Sincerely. Kitty Cat. Ivy startled Harley as she entered the room, paying little attention to the blonde as she was clearly on a mission. Oh, I don't think so, she said, stepping up onto the bed and pulling the painting off the wall. Be a dear and open that for me, Ivy gestured to the window. Harley obliged, yanking it open, and then stepped aside. Ivy walked over, canvas in hand, and shoved the painting out, letting it fall the two stories to the ground. She then snatched the note out of Harley's hand, read it over, made a face, crumpled it up into a ball, and threw it against the wall, all of which made Harley laugh. Oh, you think that's funny? Ivy asked, a smile playing on her lips. Harlene nodded. What do they say about meeting your heroes? You can only be disappointed, Ivy advanced, pushing Harley down onto the bed behind her and quickly moving to straddle the younger woman. Harley wasn't about to protest. She'd known where this was headed, knew as soon as Ivy showed up at the police station. She liked the feeling of Ivy's weight on her hips, pressing down, thighs bracketing her. Liked it enough to ignore any thoughts of professional ethics. Pamela began to rock back and forth, grinding gently against her, releasing every bit of sexual desire Harley had been stuffing down inside since they'd met. Harley had waited two long months for this, and now it was finally happening. She'd been battling so many contradictory feelings for Ivy that she couldn't explain or quantify, but now, after that kiss, and feeling poison Ivy's heat on. Her center, she'd finally made up her mind on what she wanted to do about it, and the answer was, well, her. Harley was greedy and impatient, so she grabbed at the neck of Ivy's dress, pulling the other woman down on top of her. She craned her neck upwards, hoping to meet Ivy's lips, but Ivy denied her at first, simply smiling down at the woman beneath her. Clearly enjoying this very much, her fingers danced over Harley's chest, finally finding the buttons on her blouse. Now her smiling lips were against Harley's, planting teasingly brief kisses there. Of course sex with Poison Ivy would be a frustrating game, just like everything else. Harley would have to initiate. As Ivy made her way down to the last two buttons, Harley tried to deepen the kiss, probing with her tongue between Ivy's lips. It was addicting, once the redhead finally let her in. Pamela tasted like wild strawberries and honeysuckle, and Harley didn't quite understand how. The perks of being a metahuman, she assumed. Ivy opened Harleen's shirt, having made it past the final button, exposing her bare stomach. She then pulled away from Harley's lips and tongue, playfully tugging on the necktie that was only slightly looser than normal around the doctor's neck. I think we'll leave this on. Harleen blushed, suddenly self-conscious maybe at the reminder that she was about to fuck a patient but was reassured when Ivy's warm palms began to feel up her stomach. Starting at the waistline of her skirt, she worked upwards until her hands were on the girl's breasts. But she didn't squeeze like Harley hoped she would, instead she looped her hands under Harley's back and deftly unclasped her bra, revealing Harley's bare breasts in one smooth motion. 
Harley groped almost frantically at the woman above her, desperate to feel more of her body. She'd imagined this so many different times in so many. Different ways, imagined the feel of her soft curves sliding against her, her lips and mouth on her skin, hands gripping, stroking, caressing, Harley wanted all of her, and she wanted it now before she thought better of it. Finally, Ivy took Harley's breast in her warm mouth, but didn't suck at her nipple, just held it playfully between her teeth, which only added to Harley's frustration. She arched her back for more contact and Ivy obliged her, rolling her tongue around the nipple, eliciting a moan from Harley that Ivy seemed to be satisfied with. Much to Harleen's dismay, she released the breast soon after to drag her tongue across her skin, making her way over to the other nipple. Harley tried again to tangle her fingers in her hair, but was again denied, her hands placed back above her head. As Ivy sucked on the second breast, she snaked her hand around the girl's waist, unzipping her skirt and finding her ass beneath her panties. As Pam pressed more of her weight onto Harley, pulling the blonde's hips up to meet hers, Harley became convinced this could be classified as torture. Harley bucked into her, hoping for more friction, but Ivy pressed them both downward, stifling any chance of release. They'd had months of foreplay already, now Harley wanted to be fucked. Harley whimpered and Ivy appeared to take some pity on her, slipping her hand between them and running a finger over the wetness that had soaked through Harley's panties. Why, doctor, you're awfully wet, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you want me, Ivy teased, dropping the second nipple from her mouth. This isn't funny, Ivy, Harleen groaned. I do, I want. Sure it's funny, Daffodil, she gently grazed her fingers over the wet spot again, purposefully not providing much friction. It's not very nice to toy with someone's emotions, Dr. Quinzel. I'm so, sorry. Harley moaned, sweat accumulating on her brow from the teasing ministrations Ivy was making over her panties. Oh fine, Ivy chucked at her obvious desperation. Is this better? She slipped her hand below the black waistband and finally touched her lightly, drawing a lazy circle around her clit. Harley bucked longingly in response, but Ivy again pushed her hips down. Her circles became tighter, the pad of her finger brushing against her clit every so often as her thumb stretched down to Harley's entrance, dragging through her wet folds. Please. Harley begged. Ivy smirked, moving down Harley's body, dragging her tongue against the soft skin just under the waistband of her panties. She probed a little further with her thumb as she did so, savoring every moment, and Harley's eyes slipped closed. Look at me, Ivy requested. Harleen didn't obey right away. I said look at me, blue met green and Ivy was content. She stripped the panties off of Harley's legs and discarded them. I will pleasure you as long as you keep your eyes on mine, do you understand? Harley nodded quickly, making sure to maintain eye contact. Ivy replaced her index finger with her mouth, working her tongue in those same tight circles around Harley's clit, and then sliding downwards in a long, slow exploration of Harley's entire being. The blonde gasped as she was hit with a wave of pleasure, but Ivy's finger was inside her before she could properly squirm. It hooked and pressed into her depths. The doctor's eyes shut in response to the blissful sensation, but then suddenly, there was nothing. Ivy had removed both her mouth and finger. Harley's eyes flew open, searching frantically for Ivy who was lying between her legs, an expectant look on her face. What did I say, she asked before slipping her finger back inside. Harley moaned and bit her lip, fighting the urge to close her eyes again. 
Ivy returned her mouth to her clitoris and began to suck, causing her hips to buck wildly. Pamela introduced another finger, burying them to the knuckle with each thrust, keeping her pacing patient and methodical. Harley didn't close her eyes, but she did attempt to reach for her again, which clearly displeased Ivy. No touching, the redhead adjusted her position so that she was leaning over her, using one of her hands to press both of Harley's above her head, and increasing the pace with which her fingers pumped. Harley's breath was ragged as she felt herself begin to clench around Ivy's relentless fingers. She craned upwards, wanting more than anything to kiss her, and to her surprise, Ivy allowed it. Ivy kissed her passionately as she added another finger, and Harley knew she wouldn't last much longer. As Harley unraveled, everything pent up inside her erupting in waves of pleasure, she let out a final primal moan. Ivy helped Harley come down from her climax gradually, curling her fingers inside her as she twitched and bucked until she was still. Releasing the girl's hands and untangled herself from Harley's legs, Ivy eventually came to rest beside her. Harley pulled her head to face her, studying the other woman's fair features, and it was then she noticed Ivy had remained her artificial pale coloring throughout the entire thing. She hadn't been green for any of it. Poison Ivy just made me come, and I didn't die, Harley grinned, her body still quivering. Mischievously, she rolled over and began drawing circles on the other woman's body, slowly snaking her way past her navel, but as soon as her fingers arrived in a more intimate region, Pamela's hand shot out and grabbed Harley's, startling her with the suddenness of the movement. Harley looked at her quizzically, but Ivy didn't answer, she just pressed the girl's hand down onto her own chest and rolled away, bringing her knees to her chest in something resembling the fetal position. Harley's maniacal giggle rang out inside her head. Oopsie daisy. What? Harleen asked, studying the toned muscles of Ivy's back as the woman lay motionless. You ain't a very good therapist, Harles. What are you talking about? Did ya ever wonder why exactly Red wants so much control over her sexuality? Yes. We covered this. She's punishing human beings for their lust. Right, but did you notice how she didn't let Cha touch her once that whole time? And right now, she's layin' there even though you clearly owe her one. And what was up with the eye contact? It's a game, she wanted to know she was winning. The eye contact was just another way to assert control. Yeah, or maybe she was looking for consent. Did it ever occur to you that maybe that Woodra guy took advantage of her in more ways than one? You read the police report, she was strapped to that table for a long time. Oh shit. Oh my god, of course. Seems like you were too busy playing the game to actually fix her. Which was, you know, your job. Harleen. Ivy's voice momentarily quieted Harley's. Yes. She didn't turn towards her. Do you still hear Harley? As a matter of fact. Sometimes, Harleen admitted, after which an uncomfortable silence descended between them. I can't hear Pamela anymore. Chapter 39 A thick vine coiled around Batgirl's forearm. She thrashed at it angrily, but it wouldn't budge, so she grabbed a batarang from her utility and sawed through it. Ivy would let her have that, although it pained the plant queen to see one of her babies brutalized so. Batgirl started after her again in a mad sprint. With a subtle flick of her wrist, Ivy implored another vine to wrap around the girl's feet, tripping her up and sending her toppling to the floor. No fair. Batgirl complained. 
It's way too easy if she just gets to use her powers the whole time. Wearing the cowl sometimes means taking on metahumans, Batman reminded her, keeping his eyes on Ivy who was exhibiting an impressive degree of control. Maybe this whole contract thing would work after all. Start again, he crossed his arms in front of his broad chest. Batgirl groaned and limped back to her starting position at the other end of the room. Ivy stood with her hands on her hips. Come and get it, she smirked. Ivy let the vigilante get a little further this time, using two vines to stop her only feet from where she stood, clothed in her customary green leotard. The vines wrapped around both of Batgirl's wrists and yanked her down to her knees. The former villainess strutted forward confidently, taking the girl's chin between her thumb and index finger. A bat brat on their knees, what a pretty picture. Knock it off, Isley, Batman warned. Batgirl wrestled her face away from the woman's hand. You're a coward. You know I could kick your ass hand to hand. Ivy smirked. Shall we find out? She released the girl's wrists and the vigilante immediately lunged forward, only to be met with a strong uppercut that landed squarely in her stomach, knocking the wind out of her. Batgirl crumpled to the ground. Just because I don't list athleticism and strength as attributes of mine doesn't mean I don't possess them. Batman watched silently, waiting for Batgirl's reaction. He hadn't been training her long. In fact, he had set up this training session more for her benefit than Ivy's. For Ivy it was about controlling her powers, for Batgirl it was about finding them. The young woman rolled from her side onto her knees and shakily drew herself up, attempting to catch her breath. She had stamina that couldn't be disputed. Again? Ivy grinned. No plants, Batgirl grunted. In what was evidently a confirmation, Ivy dropped down to a crouching position and used her leg to sweep the blonde's feet out from under her, landing Batgirl on her butt once again. The vigilante slammed her fist down on the ground in frustration. All right, Batman came between them. That's enough for tonight. Batgirl. Try the heavy bag instead, all right. Fine, Batgirl got up and sulked off in the direction of the punching bags. Batman turned to Ivy. I have something for you. Ivy arched an eyebrow. Is it something that will get me home faster? No, probably not, he admitted, walking out of the room and up the staircase. Ivy glanced over at Batgirl, who was angrily wailing on the attack dummy, before following him. She smirked as she ascended the stairs. Batman stopped at the first landing and opened the thick metal door there. He had gone through all this trouble to blindfold Ivy before bringing her into his lair, never taking his cowl off, but Ivy knew who he really was. The moss in his Batcave had told her. He was Bruce Wayne, which honestly made a lot of sense given how expensive being a superhero without powers must be and his relationship both in and out of costume with Selina Kyle. Pamela felt a bit stupid for not realizing it sooner. She decided she would keep his secret for the time being, in favor of revealing it dramatically later on. But in the meantime, she allowed him to keep up the illusion. The room Batman led them into was lined with different versions of he and Robin suits in glass display cases. Ivy assumed they all served different purposes. Batgirl and Robin's main suits were noticeably absent from their cases since they were both currently in use, Batgirl wearing hers in the training room, and Robin wearing his out on patrol. Batman stopped and waited until Ivy was beside him. 
What do you think? He asked, pointing at the case in front of him. Ivy looked and saw that the suit displayed was tailored for a woman. A black, full-length bodysuit that would cover the wearer from neck to ankle. What is that for me? Ivy was incredulous. Batman nodded. It's awfully, modest, Ivy offered, resisting the urge to wrinkle her nose at the thing. Yes, but it's functional, Batman told her. The material works like a greenhouse. It will allow sunlight to pass through unimpeded and trap it there, creating a concentrated environment for your powers, he pointed to the large green splotches on the suit that began to glow as Ivy moved closer to it. Those are essentially solar panels which will store the solar energy collected in the daylight and aid you at night as well, Batman's expression remained austere under his cowl, but Ivy thought she caught a glint of pride in the slight upturn of his lips. Ivy crossed her arms. Seems like it was quite the undertaking for you. Whether you like it or not, Isley, you're on my team now. My team does not wear leafy green leotards. No. Ivy chuckled. Just green speedos, right. Okay, let's see it, Harleen encouraged, setting the file she'd been reading on the bedside table. No, Ivy crossed her arms defiantly, like a small child about to throw a tantrum. Why the hell not? Harley asked. Because I don't like it. Again, why the hell not? Harley was getting more animated. Does it not work? No, it does, Ivy huffed. Then what's the problem? You said yourself you can make anything look good, a black bodysuit isn't exactly hard if you've got the body for it, and you definitely have the body for it, Ivy rolled her eyes. I know. I just feel like he branded me. Like I'm his property or something. So, let me get this straight, Harleen sat up straighter in the bed. You got out of Arkham, got Batman behind your cause, got into my pants, and you think he owns you, she snorted at the notion. From here it looks like it's the other way around. Ivy groaned and retreated into the closet. Satisfied, Harley picked up where she'd left off in Clayface's file while she waited. Complete bodily transformation, fascinating. This is stupid, she heard Ivy mumble. Stop stalling. The blonde shouted. The closet door opened and Poison Ivy emerged wearing the new suit. The thin fabric hugged her every curve, and Harley's mouth began to water in a rather cartoonish reaction. The green splotches glowed the same color as Ivy's skin, and her bright red hair made a sharp contrast to the darker color palette of the ensemble. Harley wished now more than ever that Pamela would allow herself to be touched. The blonde flipped the blankets off of her legs and crawled forward to sit on the edge of the bed. Can I be honest? Ivy sighed. Yes, but just as a general warning, I haven't had an outburst today, so there's an unprecedented risk of something rather insignificant setting me off. Noted, Harley chuckled. And I'd hardly say unprecedented. She saw a flicker in Ivy's green eyes. Okay, okay. Seriously, I love it. It's definitely a big change, though, and changes can be hard. Ivy thought about that for a moment before coming to some silent conclusion, smirking and leaning down to kiss the other woman's neck. It's a good thing I have 24-7 access to my therapist then. Could I see Pamela in the outfit? Harleen asked gently. Ivy moved from her neck to her lips, kissing her doctor teasingly. Pamela is in the outfit, Daffodil. Harley smiled kindly, 
resisting the urge to touch her. That would be too much. Slow and steady wins the race. You know what I mean. Ivy sighed, obviously realizing that the situation wouldn't move forward until she accommodated the request. The green in her skin faded gradually until she could pass for a normal human being. You happy now? She asked. Harley began to slowly lift her hands from the bed so that Ivy could see them well in advance. The redhead led her further than normal before subtly shaking her head. The blonde sighed internally. We'll try again tomorrow. Chapter 40 Harley pulled herself out of her car with a grunt of pain. She was halfway up Arkham's front steps before she realized she'd left her briefcase in the car. Mother few. Dr. Leland was right behind her. Harleen, are you all right? She had been spared the initial soreness after her workout and her sleepover, but now it was settling into her muscles with a vengeance. Oh yeah, I'm fine. Harley laughed. I just, um, I have this balance beam at home. I used to be a gymnast, I think you know that, anyway, I fell off it and hurt my, everything. You have a balance beam in your house? Leland asked. Harley laughed again. I know, it's weird. Unfortunately, I left my briefcase in my car. I can get that for you. Leland retrieved the black leather bag from inside the red convertible. Have you been to see a doctor? She asked once she'd delivered it to Harley. No, don't even worry about it, I'm just a little sore. Joan nodded, clearly ready to end that portion of their conversation. I read your last report on Dr. Isley. It seems like things are going well. Harley smiled, limping towards the entrance of the asylum. Seems like it, yeah. Honestly, I'm impressed, Dr. Leland opened the door for the injured woman. For months and she's still making consistent check-ins. You two must have really built a rapport. Dr. Quinzel shrugged, attempting to hide her blush. I guess so. Actually, if you're free for lunch today, she brought something up a little while ago that I was hoping to get your opinion on. Dr. Leland stepped through the security gate. I'm going out for lunch today, but I'm free now, my morning session has been cancelled for a while, it seems. The Joker's escape weighed heavily on Harley's conscience. It was her fault, after all, or at least she blamed herself for it. The revelation about Pam's past trauma had convinced her to lend Joker's stories of childhood abuse some credence, but she had given him too much room, and he'd taken advantage of it. It turned out Poison Ivy and the Joker were two very different animals despite their, at times, similar behaviors. Harley glanced at her watch. I've got Clayface in 30 minutes. Now would be great. Dr. Leland nodded and the two made their way to the senior doctor's office. Harley sat down in front of the desk as Leland sat behind it. I haven't read anything about Dr. Isley in the papers recently. I thought, now that she was working with Batman, I would be able to keep up with her shenanigans in the media. Leland began, leaning back in her chair. Batman is putting her through a rigorous training process, or so she tells me. I expect her hero's debut isn't too far away, Harley assured her. Joan shook her head. I just can't believe that those two are actually working together. Well, I'd describe it more as coexisting, Dr. Quinzel corrected. But he's a man and Pamela hasn't tried to kill him yet, so that's something. 
Dr. Leland chuckled. And what a man he is. It certainly is something, and how is life under her new alias treating her? I didn't see you mention her personal life in your last report. Right, well, that's what I wanted to ask you about, Harley cleared her throat. Her transition into a secret identity, if you will, went rather smoothly. But naturally, there might come a time when she might want to. Harley tried to think of the best way to phrase it. Not be alone anymore. Joan furrowed her brow. You mean she'll want to get her plants back? No, Harley shook her head. I mean she might want to, eventually, be with another human being, like physically. Or romantically, even. Dr. Leland laughed. The day that happens, haul her back here. Pamela Isley is poisonous, Dr. Quinzel. Literally. No, no. I know, Harley laughed it off, although there was a noticeable unease to the sound. I know there are some logistical hurdles, but Jason Woodrow hurt her. Well, obviously, Joan snorted. He absolutely ruined her, psychologically speaking. Right, Harley nodded. But I'm also fairly certain that he raped her. Dr. Leland didn't seem at all surprised by the theory. I'm sure he did. But that was, what? Thirty years ago now. I'm not suggesting that there should be a statute. Of limitations on the trauma responses of rape victims, I just mean she's never raised that specifically as an issue before. Harleen mulled that over for a moment. I think it mostly has to do with shame and a perceived loss of control. She's been living under this poison ivy moniker for so long that she forgot what it felt like to be vulnerable. And so these last few months, functioning in the civilian world, I think she's having a difficult time remembering what normalcy felt like, and that's scary, so she equates it with a loss of control. Which reminds her of the rape, Dr. Leland nodded. That makes sense to me. I remember you saying she's found a way to alter the color of her skin. I'm sure looking like her old self is also triggering. The green color must have served as armor for her, in a lot of ways. And being that she's barely aged a day in those thirty years, she looks in the mirror and still sees that girl, Harley crossed one leg over the other. But the reflection of humanity is foreign to her. She told me she can't exactly access that part of herself anymore. Even though she looks like Pamela, she doesn't feel like her. Leland shrugged. And it's quite possible she never will. Her psyche was fractured, Dr. Quinzel. Months of torture, months in a coma. According to hospital records, she died twice. That's a lot of trauma for one person, and at this point she's only really half a person. So, what? You think Pamela died and she came back as something else? Joan shook her head. I'm saying that maybe she lost some parts of herself. The innocent parts. She'll never be able to fully trust someone again. It's just not in her DNA anymore. At least that's what I gathered from the eight years of therapy we had together. But as far as your question about intimacy, sexual. Assault is a very human issue. Talk to her about it, if she'll let you. Appeal to her humanity. If she can articulate her feelings around it, then you know you're moving in the right direction. 